What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to the Tale of the Tape on our new home, theboxingrant.com. It's the same Tale of the Tape boxing podcast, but we are hailing under a brand new banner. It's a new day, my friend. Gotta love it, brother. Yes, sir. Um, As you all know, we've been operating underneath uh, the website name, sportsrantradio.com. The company's still Sports Rant Radio for all of you who really, I don't know, give a rat's ass. (laughs) But the important thing is you know where to find us, and the Tale of the Tape moves forward from episode 35 and onward under the new banner of The Boxing Rant, which leads me to the announcement that I prefaced at the end of episode 34 last week on the tail of the tape, is that I will be launching a new a new boxing podcast that will focus on a loyal, diehard, paying fan's perspective on the pulse of what goes on in the world of boxing. Here on the tail of the tape, Vin and I will continue to cover all the fights and all the drama and try to improve with every episode as we move forward. But the boxing rant is going to be a home for me to really let loose on more specific topics. Hey, I'm looking forward to hearing it, brother. Thanks, man. I'm excited. I'm really, really excited about it. And there's some more news to go along with it. I have a very special guest joining me on episode one of the boxing rant. And that's none other than Brandon Bam Bam Rios. I can't wait to have him on the show, man. It's a great, great guest to have for for a debut episode because my man loves to talk boxing. Yeah, I, I can't wait to hear it, dude. It should be great. Yeah, man, I'm pumped. I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, it's a good opportunity, and it's always a great thing to add new content to theboxingrant.com. I'm Kenny Keith of theboxingrant.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. And with me, as always, the man with the plan, my partner in crime, Vince Cummings. And uh, we're going to dive right in it with the ongoing saga, These Are the Days of Manny and Floyd's Drama-Filled Lives. <laughs> Yeah, so the Manny and Floyd saga continues. Uh, most recently, we saw a, a photo that was much debated on whether or not this was the meeting after the Miami Heat game when Floyd apparently came by Manny's suite and they had a conversation about, you know, an hour, hour and a half long conversation. Michael Kahn's the advisor to Manny Pacquiao, and nobody knew if this was from that meeting. But then the still photo, all of a sudden this morning, turns into a video like it just came to life right now there's a lot of speculation going on right now that's you know of course twitter just explodes this morning really really early regarding this video and basically what it says in a nutshell i congratulate manny on his career he had a wonderful career and i had a wonderful career but before we leave this sport of course we have to make this fight happen and when twitter explodes immediately you you got your skeptics right right 
you got your pessimist. And literally people were like, that seemed a little staged. What do you think about it? Do you think that was legitimate or do you think that that was just a loop cut out of a larger recording? I think it was definitely a loop cut out of a larger recording because, okay. I mean, they're not just going to record that one statement. Give me a break. I mean, if that if that is the case, that is completely contrived and yeah. set up and ridiculous. You know what? I don't know what to think of it, man. I, I really don't. I'm so lost. I've been put down so many different roads leading me to Floyd's a problem, Aram's a problem. I just... I'm tired of it, man. I, I can't I can't handle it. I think Floyd just wants his name constantly being talked oh, about. Yeah. He's made it known loud and clear that he wants to be the one to make any sort of announcement. So right. he's trying to put out the latest and the newest. And, and I completely understand that. One of the biggest hindrances and roadblocks this entire process has been Bob Arum. And you know what? Like My opinion on Floyd and his part in this and how much of a detriment he's been to the entire process hasn't changed much. Right. Right. Other than we know that there may be some other issues that are forcing his hand to actually make this fight. What has changed in my opinion, Vin is Bob Arum's involvement in this entire thing, because Floyd has said over and over and over again, Bob Arum just needs to shut the fuck up. He can't do it. man. He can't. Anytime somebody puts a microphone in front of his face, he has something different to say. Those two are just in a pissing match right now. Who's the king of this fight and these negotiations? Well, Bob Arum still thinks that he is the number one guy in right, boxing. Exactly. And Floyd is a boss. Yeah. You know? So you're right. They're having a, a measuring contest right now. Mm -hmm. You know? We don't need any of that. No. We don't. But what's becoming clear is, is that Bob Arum has a lot more to do with whether or not this fight's going to happen. Hopefully, if the fight's consummated or not consummated, hopefully we get a little bit more insight as to the roles they played in the process. Because if these fights happen, Vin, you know that there's going to be a documentary oh, yeah. about them or a, you know, books a, written about Somebody's going to write a book about these negotiations. The, the shit that has gone on here is unreal. It's definitely been interesting for sure. So one more thing on this saga, and we can go ahead and move away from it because right. nothing's really changed. I just thought that that video was pretty funny. And you can check out my article on it at theboxingrant.com backslash blog and basically get my take on a little bit expanded uh, version of what we just talked about. And we'll also be talking about it a little bit on uh, the inaugural episode of The Boxing Rant. So Floyd was scheduled to go to Australia, okay? And he's scared, you know, do appearances, make his rounds. Boxing's big in Australia, and, you know, it's rather pound for pound. King's coming to town, mm -hmm. right? Well, apparently there was a petition that was put out, and tens of thousands of Australians signed the petition to plead with the Australian government to keep him out of the country and not grant him a working visa. And guess what? The Australian government said, we don't want any convicted wife beaters coming to our country. Hey, good for them, man. Good for them. That's freaking hilarious, too. I mean... Couldn't happen I can't, to I, a nicer guy. I, I, right? <laughs> I would have loved to have been in the room when somebody actually told him no. Yeah. When's the last time he's been told no? If anybody can tell me, I'd like to hear it. Yeah, I know, man. I know. No, nobody tells the guy no. He doesn't surround himself with no's. And he not only did... did did somebody tell him no, but an entire country told him no. <laughs> right. That's awesome, man. Kudos to to Australia. Let's put another shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, speaking of ridiculousness, and this is a perfect transition when you want to talk about news of the weird and dramatically entertaining, is we move right into the announcement that the WBO middleweight title that was recently won by Andy Lee against Matt Korobov in an impressive, impressive 
knockout fashion. <sighs> I don't know how this is even possible. But Peter Quillen, the man that vacated this very WBO belt originally, it was because $1.4 million was not going to be enough to pay him, even though that was going to be the biggest purse he ever received in his entire boxing career. Then, once heat starts coming down on him, then he says it's because of his newborn baby, and he wants to spend time with this kid. Then, he just kept getting asked about it, and then the story started to not make any sense yeah. at all. So what we do know about it is he vacated the belt because Al Heyman told him to vacate the belt because he wanted to save Quillen's perfect record right. for his PBC on NBC. Pretty clear, right? Yeah, I, there's no argument there. What did you think when you heard that Peter Quillen was actually, uh, like, the, that the WBO was even letting this happen? Uh, there's no explanation for it. Uh, the WBO is just a complete freaking joke at this point. The only thing I can think of is that Mr. Heyman himself must be must be lining some pockets, man. I, I, I don't, it just doesn't make sense. How can the WBO... They look just as stupid as Quillen does in this pro in this whole process. Quillen says he's coming to take his title back. Right. It really, obviously, don't try to, like, make this so melodramatic. You yeah. know what I mean? The fact of the matter is it didn't seem too damn important to him the first go-around. He completely minimized the value of having a belt. Right. Heyman fighters have repeatedly, for whatever reasons, we're not talking about their reasons. This is just a fact. You can take the tone of my voice as negative or positive. They do not place a priority no. on having fights for belts when their title holders are involved. No, it's not, not a priority at all. Mm -mm. The priority is, is making sure that whoever the A-side is maximizes their value, which in turn maximizes the percentage take that Al Heyman gets in his pocket. We know these things. You could take that as negative. If it sounds grimy, maybe it is. Right. You know, maybe it is. I, I don't know. But the thing that blows my mind here is you got Billy Joe Saunders, who's the mandatory for this WBO belt. Okay. All we're hearing about is this romantic notion that Andy Lee was going to return to Ireland and that he was going to square off against Billy Joe Saunders in a battle of the old British empire in Ireland, Ireland versus England, this would have been a huge event over there. You cannot unbelievable. Sit, you cannot sit here and tell me the way that this PBC and NBC is is set up, where Al Heyman is actually paying for time slots, and then on top of it, you know whatever sort of advertising money they get, I, I guess that's what they're going to pay the fighters with, right? Right. So you're trying to tell me right now that uh, Andy Lee in Ireland is is wasn't going to make as much money as he's going to make in this title defense against Peter Quillen? Because I would be willing to bet then I'd be willing to bet that Peter Quillen is making more money in this fight than Andy Lee. Oh, they're guaranteed. Guaranteed. So to pile on the confusion here, okay, Billy Joe Saunders talks about the step aside. Right. Okay? And he says, as any boxer would, if they had the opportunity to fight for a world title, they would want it immediately. That's the business we're in. I want to prove I'm the best in the entire world. And I believe that I can beat Lee or Quillen right now. And you know what? Maybe he can. He says, Frank is right in that this fight between me and Lee, if he defends his title against Quillen, that'll be a massive fight. It needs to be held on the biggest stage, and that's a football stadium. The fight will only get bigger and bigger as it, as it marinates, is basically what he's saying. Mm. So the timing needs to be right, and it needs to wait until the summer. Okay, if he still has the belt by then. There's right. no if Andy Lee doesn't knock out Peter Quillen, he's not winning that fight. No, that's a bad fight for, for Lee. 
Yeah, it's it's a complete mismatch of styles. Right. You know, you got you got a slugger that's not going to volume punch, and Quillen is going to jab him into a unanimous decision victory yep. and win that title back, right? So check this out. He went on to say that Andy Lee was going to vacate his WBO title if he couldn't fight Quillen. Was Andy Lee looking for the fight against Quillen? No, there's no chance. And so, I, so how does does this any of this add up? No, to you? It, it, this is a complete just clusterfuck. Yeah, it makes no sense. And the fact that Andy Lee is wrapped up in it, I feel like he's kind of just a pawn because he made the statement that I can make a lot more money fighting Quillen right now in the states, and I, I just I don't buy it for no. A second. I don't buy it for no. You know who can make a lot more money? Al Heyman. And who else? Lou DiBella. Yeah. And Lou DiBella is so far deeply in bed. He's the one that dangles the tightest. Oh, my God. From Heyman's sack. He is just wee. Oh, he is having so much fun. (laughs) He is having so much fun. How's that smell down there, Lou? Oh, man. Dude, all of this combined says one thing. Lou DiBella can make more money by promoting a fight with Al Heyman in the United States. Exactly. Okay? Let's be honest. I don't know what the purse is. Okay? We may see something that this was a smarter fight. If if Lee thinks, I think Lee can beat Quillen. I think he can too. You know what I mean? He's got to knock him out though, or or at least knock him down a couple times, right? To offset what we think is probably going to happen, right? Right. So that's great if he can go and make a, a a million or two. You know, fighting against Quillen on NBC. Hey, more power to him. It gives him more exposure. Then he can go back to Ireland. And he can fight Billy Joe Saunders or whoever it is. Right. You know what I mean? I don't have a problem with that. And look, fact of the matter is, man, is that this is their lives. Yeah. I don't have a problem with this. The problem I have is that Peter Quillen's involved in all of this. Yes, that's what makes it really friggin' annoying. And this is where it comes into the conversation. We're going to talk about this for a little while, for probably this next 15-minute segment, is the inconsistencies in the way that the governing bodies, that these alphabet belts are enforcing their rules. And while trying to understand why these organizations operate the way that they do with a lack of transparency, the inability to answer questions forthright and explain why they make the judgments that they do in certain situations with certain fighters, why fighters skyrocket up the rankings miraculously, why they can lose a title shot with one organization and then gain another title shot immediately thereafter is is questionable and it, it deserves answers we deserve answers because we pay to watch this damn sport okay i can go on and on and on about this but the wbc most recently has made some questionable decisions that i'd like to talk about the obvious ones right in front of our face is why their fighters and most specifically a few al Heyman fighters leo santa cruz and danny garcia why they don't have to defend against their mandatories or or in danny garcia's case why he doesn't even have to defend his belt altogether and why they're not being stripped or forced to make these fights. Then you have Anthony Durrell being granted a voluntary and a four-month extension before he has to fight his mandatory in George Groves. And and the one I'm going to start off with here is how Gary Russell Jr. is now getting a shot at the WBC featherweight belt after two fights ago losing the WBO championship to Vasil Lomachenko in a fight that he pretty much got outclassed in. Then in a very forgettable Al Heyman showcase card back in December, he takes on journeyman Christopher Martin in a complete mismatch of at levels of athleticism. Christopher Martin has had a decent career, but athletically he's slow and plodding compared to the super athletic Gary Russell Jr. But Russell Jr. goes from losing to Vasil Lomachenko 
to a mismatch win against Christopher Martin to now he gets another championship shot against the WBC champion, Johnny Gonzalez. So after all of that, you're telling me that Gary Russell Jr. has now been catapulted to the status of Johnny Gonzalez's number one contender? No. Al Heyman is trying to consolidate these green belts, Van. I'm telling you oh, right now. Hey, I, I, I don't doubt it for a second, man. It's, he's always got some kind of sneaky shit going on. That we don't know about. No. All we can do is do the math. Right. Okay, so we go over to the green belt, and Al Heyman purchases the contract of Leo Santa Cruz. For God's sakes, I mean, Leo Santa Cruz named his kid Al Heyman. Yeah, we all knew that was coming. You know, so that doesn't surprise me at all. But what is so funny to me is you have Leo Santa Cruz coming out saying, I want Rigondeaux, I want Frampton, I want Quig, blah, 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 right? And sure enough, as soon as things start ramping up, De La Hoya says, all right, I'm going to get you Rigo. He starts negotiating. I guarantee you that Leo Santa Cruz went right back to Big Papa Al and said, you got to get me out of this. Mm -hmm. And exercised the buyout clause in his contract. So now the WBC junior featherweight belt is in Heyman's camp. Of course. And he doesn't have to fight anybody. No. I can tell you right now, Vin, you want to know my opinion? I think the best... 122-pounder on the planet is Carl Frampton. Flat out. Yeah. Flat out. I think he is the all-around best fighter in that division. Rigo possesses his skill set of the things that he does better than anybody. Right. Those are few things. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's defense and speed. He got knocked down twice in his last fight, so it's proven that he he can't take a punch. Carl Frampton is... Everything. Yes. He does every aspect of the game. He's a lethal puncher. He's deadly accurate. He's quick as hell, punches with both hands, and plays great defense. And punches in, in a pretty heavy volume, too. Exactly. So here's my thing. So there's so much threat at the top of the 122-pound division. You think he's ever going to fight any of these guys? No. They're going to they're gonna have a – he'll probably fight Mars, right? That's what they're going to build up in the PBC. Just total – it's total BS, man. Yeah. It is total BS. So you're telling me so, – so Mares is going to have to drop down from 126 to 122. You think at his age no, he can do, do that? A, they'll do a catch weight. That's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's PBC right there for you, buddy. Yes, sir. It'll be 124 and a half. Who knows? And the belts won't be on the line. No, no. We, we will not. hold these things hostage for the rest of time. Exactly. Look, man, there are so many positives and negatives to Walmarting the sport of boxing. Yeah. Okay? But is it going to turn into the WWE? I don't know, man. Like, as far as, like, the, the ridicule and the clowning of these belts, you had these sh- stretches of years and years when wrestlers would have their belts for, like, you know, a year or two. Mm-hmm. There would be five or six fights that they would lose. Oh, yeah. But somebody got disqualified. Yeah. Or something happened and they didn't lose the belt. It's like, this is what this is turning into. They were counted out outside the ring, and you can't lose your belt that way. No, 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 <laughs> no. You cannot lose your belt that way. No, not at all. And Danny Garcia, Lamont Peterson, fighting for the 143-pound of nothing, didn't defend against Rod Salka, lost it to Mauricio Herrera. I'm just wondering, when is he going to have to defend his belt? When is Leo Santa Cruz going to have to defend his belt? We want to know. Bottom line is, fans deserve an announcement. Everybody deserves to know. When are these guys going to be stripped, or when do they have to defend their belts? They could care less. They have no rules. There's no oversight. There's no regulations. They operate and on a plane and do whatever the hell they want to do. And, Ken, you'll either accept it or you won't because we're still going to watch. 
and they're going to keep doing it to us. No, I, no, no, no. See, that's the difference. I'm not going to keep watching. I'm not going to keep watching. I'm going to watch. I pay for HBO. Yep. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch HBO. I'm going to watch real fighters defend their belts. And if that's what it takes, if they want to fracture the sport to the point where, look, Al Heyman has already said in all of his actions, leaving the media that covers the sport, leaving the closest fans out in the dark completely, bypassing all of us because there's a bigger fish tank out there with people that don't even follow boxing. So that's his target. He doesn't care about all of us. Or he would have have invited the media that's going to ask the tough questions to when they announced all of these announcements of PBC on Spike TV, NBC, all these things, he would have invited everybody, but his priority is to target this new audience. He doesn't care about the loyal boxing fans because he knows that all of us are going to stay true to HBO. Right. We're going to stay true to watching fighters that dare to be great. He wants to make it so generic. I could care less. I won't watch. You're telling me right now you have interest in watching Leo Santa Cruz fight his sparring partner? No. Hell no. Okay. This is my exact point. What are... What are Danny Garcia and Lamont Peterson fighting for? Money? For fun? <laughs> I don't know. Danny Garcia is the only person in that fight who's fighting for anything. No. He's defending a zero. Yeah. That's it. Yep. That's it. So whether the WBC responds to any of the, any of the inquiries or any of the questions that any of us ask, it may not matter. I get it. The point is, is that there's a thousand people just like myself that are directing their questions on and at the WBC, and they're forcing their hand to respond because what you're seeing now, and it's led by a lot of the of, of, of the smaller boxing promoters out there, mm-hmm. is they are putting the pressure on the WBC to answer the damn questions. You know, if you claim to be the most historical, most revered, most admired, most glamorous belt with all the history in the world, you better start answering damn questions before you get thrown to the fire. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I, I agree 100%. Maybe it's just maybe it's a continuation of sometimes you have to tear it all down before you can build it back up. Yeah. I mean, the the only half glass full train of thought that I can place to this, Vin, is that they are going to make the sacrifices of like they did last year on Showtime with right. the Salcedo's Bartholomew fight and you know all the crap that they fed us to be able to give us a better product on a bigger platform. Maybe they have to take these licks through some 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 shady things that only a million people are paying attention to right now anyways right because the big spotlight and the big gaze of the world and the large Amer- uh, you know American television audience has not tuned in yet so no. they're doing all these things lining things up to then basically be like all you people that have been diehard fans <laughs> screw you we got our new friends over here yeah yeah well that if that's the case buddy they're they're gonna be in for a rude awakening simply doing the math here. The WBC has had a lot of things going on in the last two weeks that are making a lot of people ask the questions. And the questions, it doesn't need to be a negative screaming match. Right. I get passionate about it for for one simple thing, because these are simple things to remedy. And the frustration comes from is that they operate under the assumption that we're all morons. It's like, we we get it. It's okay. We just want to know. Right. You know what I mean? We demand because we pay. We're not asking for you to have a Royal Rumble with everybody in the 147-pound division. Right. You know what I mean? For a gigantic pot of gold at the end of Imaginary Rainbow. We're not asking for them to do ridiculous things. It, it just, it, transparency is all. We don't, we we want a good, solid reason why, instead of getting Darrell Groves, it looks like we're going to get Darrell 
Badu Jack, possibly? Come on, man. It's ridiculous. Okay, so George Groves is 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 pretty pissed about this. Oh, I'm sure. He's pretty pissed about it. But here's the thing. Apparently, Groves was offered over $2 million to fight James DeGale. How much truth is to that? I, I have no idea, but that is what I have read. Wow. Groves just probably wants to fight against Darrell. He probably thinks he has a better chance to beat Darrell, that it's a better matchup for him than having to beat James DeGale again. I mean, either way, they're both for a belt. He's gotten a shot. He deserves another one. He's a hell of a fighter. So, But here's the thing. In good news, things do turn, and karma does react in positive ways. Thank God. I know, right? Is that he, if he does take this fight now, the IBF Super Middleweight Championship of the world is there to be hung over a ladder. No, 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 this isn't the WWF. We're not talking about the ladder match. I, I got confused with Razor Ramon and, and Shawn Michaels there for a second. Actually, the greatest, the greatest ladder match oh, of all time. Oh, by far, by far. Okay, anyways, let's go back to real fighting. Uh, Carl Frotch, the Cobra, has vacated his belt. And now DeGale, it looks like, even though the fight could be made, because, you know, we got step aside this, step aside that, right? It looks like right now, tentatively, I believe, don't quote me, the tentative target date is April 25th, James DeGale versus Andre Durrell for the vacant IBF title. You think they uh, lure Durrell over to England again? Well, they said that they would go, but right now the, the, the proposal is the O2 Arena in the UK, DeGale versus Durrell, because it'll be... a a bigger audience. Hell, you'll sell that place out. They won't sell anywhere out in the U.S. Just in common sense thinking, that's exactly my first thought also. Right. Because I'm like, yeah, they can't. Nobody knows who either of these guys are in the United States, right? right? And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, ah, I just remember I watched about a 20-minute video of Eddie Hearn. Uh, it was an interview done in the U.K. about he had just returned back to England, and he had been meeting with Al Heyman. And so he went to the U.S. and basically he he wants to do business. Al Heyman said, I, you know, I I don't I don't know if this includes Bob Arum, but he said he's willing to work with any you know with any promoter. Right. So I think you know Eddie Hearn wants to take Matchroom. He wants to bring it to the United States. Yeah, I don't blame him. And so this would make if that's if that's what they're going to do, this would make pretty good sense to do this fight in the U.S. based off of that. And they could also you know they could put it on one of these NBC undercards. Right. You know what I mean? Right. As a co-feature. Yeah. You know. I, this would be a main event in the UK. Yes, it would definitely be. This, pr- it'd probably be pay-per-view. But they could do this as a main event on Spike TV. Easy. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, they got freaking Andre Berto on, you know, as the as the main event. Anybody then, who knows these guys and is a diehard boxing fan knows this is going to be a really good fight. If it happens. Yeah. It's still up in the air. Nothing's guaranteed right now. But let's talk about the backlash that came out against Carl Frotch, okay? One of our loyal listeners, at Sam Holderness, asked me about the fight that he had been hearing about between Carl Frotch and Bernard Hopkins, a fight that Bernard Hopkins is the one that started this entire conversation. Oh, yeah, he's known for doing that. Okay, because when when Frotch hurt his elbow, fight is postponed with Chavez. Frotch has to get better. Still looking for an opponent because Chavez announces Andrew Fonfara. It was the first thing B-Hop says, I'll fight Frotch. I'm looking for a big fight. Yep. Okay, so the response to this of Frotch vacating the IBF is, Frotch vacates IBF, uh, Frotch is dodging James DeGale, Frotch Hopkins, that could be next. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, whoa, either I don't understand anything that's going on, 
or I'm the only person that fucking does. <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm crazy. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't blame you. It's like, okay, so Carl Frotch has made it clear he wants one gigantic Vegas fight. I'm sorry if you just started watching boxing last month, but there's some things that happened along the way. <laughs> Over the last decade? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Frotch has earned... He went through a murderer's row at 168 pounds, okay? He's fought everybody at 168 pounds to date, okay? There's a mandatory in James DeGale sitting there. There's nothing of interest for Carl Frotch to fight against James DeGale whatsoever. He doesn't care about belts. He wants a huge pay-per-view card in Vegas against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. He wants to go out just like Joe Calzaghe did. Absolutely. He gets hurt. Fight postponed. Bernard Hopkins mentions it. Nobody wants to see Carl Frotch fight Bernard Hopkins. Carl Frotch did not vacate the belt because he's scared of James DeGale. He did not say he doesn't want to fight Bernard Hopkins because he's scared of Bernard Hopkins. No. He vacated the belt because he wants to fight Chavez, and he said he didn't want to fight Bernard Hopkins because it would be a horrible fight. Oh, my God. That would be the worst fight I can possibly think of. Tell me right now, Vin, ex- uh, just give a brief preview of what Carl Frotch versus Bernard Hopkins would look like. Uh, a, a dance, basically. You know, you want to watch the guys hold for half a fight? Yeah, I mean, sure. Go ahead. Be my guest. But uh, th- there will be no entertainment value to that fight whatsoever. Won't it look like a, uh, a repeat? Of Frotch Durrell, but against a 50-year-old version of Andre Durrell. Yeah. Basically, Frotch is trying to come in the entire fight, and Hopkins tries to pot shot and hug him. Yeah. Hopkins will will throw a short right, headbutt, and grab him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's all he's going to do. Dude, it would turn into a wrestling match, because we've seen what Carl Frotch does when he gets... When he gets manhandled like that in the there, fight. There'd probably be frustration from the Frotch corner and points taken and all kinds of bullshit going on in that fight. He's already fought that those kind of fights, right. you know? Yeah. Would, would, would you give Bernard Hopkins, uh, would that, that'd be a hell of a, that's uh, going out on your shield. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. But nobody wants to see this fight. No. The only person who does is Bernard Hopkins. So whoever's got this idea in their head about all of this, nobody wants to see it. Just ask for a different fight. Right. Okay, I would rather see him fight against a rematch with Arthur Abraham. You know, I'd rather see a million other fights right. other than that one. I really want to see him fight Triple G. But nah, that ain't, that ain't going to happen. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. He doesn't want to finish on the map. <laughs> no. No. Um, the IBF, we stay on subject here, as the IBF has now stripped Jermaine Taylor. Why have they stripped Jermaine Taylor? He was inactive for two months, right? <laughs> All right, let's talk our way through this one. If you look at it from this aspect of, does anybody think that Jermaine Taylor should ever fight again, then what do you say? No, uh-uh. Okay, so maybe they're operating on that premise, then maybe this is their way of saying, we're not, gonna, we're not going along with you fighting again. You, right. If you're going to try to jump back in the ring with our belt. Yeah. I don't blame you. you can't, who could be a part of that, man? I mean, no, no. You can't. You can't. Go into a fight with him and and say, hey, you know, yeah, we let this guy fight. And then two months later, he's going to have some friggin' episode where he's shooting up a a parade or whatever the hell he's doing. Yeah, but I mean, so what do you think about this replacement fight? They're saying that Hassan Endam versus former IBF champion Felix Sturm. I'm wondering where they came up with it. 
I mean, what, what do you think about the fight? I think it'll be a good fight. I mean, Sturm has, has proven here late in his his career that he uh, he's become a bit of an action fighter and, and and you know is more willing to trade than he was earlier in his career. You think? I think Endon would just try to stay away from him. Oh the yeah, entire he's, time. yeah, yeah. But I would rather see Felix Stern versus David Lemieux. I know Endom is the number one contender, and he's a good boxer. Oh, Endom was destroyed by Quillen, so what's that tell you? Yeah, I know. I mean, but I mean, he's a good boxer on the outside. Right. You know what I mean? And he did what his last fight was against Curtis Stevens, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Which is a and, legitimate opponent. Right, right. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I guess uh, David Lemieux's got to do a little bit more to get up on that rankings list. I'm thinking the IBF, you know, this is a bit of conspiracy theory on my part, but I'm thinking the IBF would like Sturm to have that belt so they can put on fights in Germany that will sell out and be big money fights for them. Absolutely, that's, man. That's what they want to happen. Uh, absolutely. This fight right here tells you that this Hassan Endom versus Felix Sturm is going to happen in Germany, and it'll be a huge fight. Yeah. Sturm can go out, and if he wants to retire, whatever he wants to do, as the IBF middleweight champion, he can vacate, and then maybe Triple G versus David Lemieux for the IBF unification fight. Right. That's wishful thinking. Yeah. In a perfect world, if I was the chairman of the IBF, nah, that's how I'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get you on there then, buddy. Yeah, right. I'm sure there's a couple thousand people that would love to have those fantasy matchups as it is, and we'll probably end up getting Patrick Nielsen versus Adam Etches or something like that. <laughs> not, not to, I mean, there's, you know, t- 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 Toriano Johnson versus George Highland. Right. Yeah. You got to love the IBF. They, they definitely, um, you know, sprinkle it around all over the world as far as the rankings are concerned. All right, so let's move to Friday Night Fights. Did you get a chance to watch Friday Night Fights, Sergio Mora? I did, I did. The Latin snake, the uh, uh, Culebra Latina. (laughs) All right, let's talk about the first fight, okay? Dustin the Clean Coal Assassin Eckerd (laughs) versus Ahmed Albiali, okay? I watched Albiali's last two fights. Yeah. And the dude's impressive, or his power's impressive. Yeah. He's knocked everybody out that he's fought against. And the, la- the last fights I watched him in, I was like, this guy has really, I don't think he could, <laughs> he doesn't play any defense. No, he's very raw. But this dude can punch. Oh now, my God, Kenny. what was your thoughts of what happened in this fight? I After that first knockdown, I don't, I mean, El Biali came in there like a freaking tornado once he got up. But I never saw the referee actually, you know, af- yeah, after after you get up off a knockdown, he normally puts both hands out and then says, fight. There was I didn't see that. Did you? No. The neutral corner rule in boxing does not make a bit of damn sense whatsoever. No. He should have been sent to the other side of the ring. That should always be the rule, no matter what corner it is. Right. That if a fighter goes down in one corner, you send the opponent to the other corner. He didn't. He sent him out of his own view. He's standing there. He knocks Eckerd out of the freaking ring. Yeah. The fight should have been stopped right there. Oh, yeah. He, you could tell he was completely confused on the apron. No there. idea. Yeah. And you can see, like, I paused it, and you can see his corner pointing, saying, turn around and go that way. Yeah, the ring's there. The ring's over there. Yeah, so then the ref goes up to him, asks him if he's okay, doesn't see anything, backs away, and El Bialy was already running in. Oh, my God. That was just vicious. And then did you see it? Eckerd? He said, what are you doing, man? <laughs> what are you doing? I can't believe he was still coherent enough to say something. 
And then he stepped in again. I was just like, oh, my gosh, man. And as much as Teddy Atlas gets on his pulpit, I cannot believe he didn't say one word about it. No, well, he couldn't because I don't know if you remember before the fight started, he gave him and Tessitore were complimenting how good that guy was as a referee, and he completely botched that fight. So Yeah, that ending was ridiculous, and, man, somebody could have really, really gotten hurt. But they quickly transitioned to the next fight, went to commercial, came back, and it was time for Erickson Lubin. So let's go ahead and jump into that one. So I noticed on Twitter that you and undefeated welterweight prospect Dusty Hernandez Harrison, a friend of the show, has been a guest of the show. I noticed you two were having a conversation. You guys were talking about Lubin. Yes. Um, Erickson Lubin was in the co-feature, uh, really well-thought-about prospect. Uh, what exactly were you and Dusty talking about? Well, Dusty fought him in the amateurs, and, and uh, I guess they were like 12, 13 years old when they fought. We just kind of got into the conversation of how, you know, it's interesting. Their, their careers are kind of paralleling each other as professionals right now, and they're really good friends, apparently, they've kept in contact. So, yeah, and I, you know, basically I was saying, Lubin looked pretty sharp, man. He's got some nice quick quick hands. Mm-hmm. Accurate puncher. I mean, lacks a little bit of power, it seems. But he seems like he might be a pretty good little fighter, man. Yeah, I think he relies on his athletic ability a little too much right now. Yeah. The one the one thing that I definitely saw that I would probably, if I was his trainer, I would try to work on moving forward is I think he just squares up to the target a little too much. Yeah. That was one thing I noticed about, uh, about Erickson Lubin is that, which is the case with a lot of really fast-fisted, young fighters like the Bertos and the Adrian Broners right. of the world as they think they can just stand flat-footed. And, and, you know, this guy pivoted a little bit more. I was really impressed with his accuracy and athleticism, though. At, uh, Teddy Atlas called out a pretty pretty big hole during that fight. Every time Lubin throws his left, his right hand would drop down by his waist mm-hmm. and drop back. And he's like, you know, left hook is just open all day on that kid. He's got to clean that up. Yeah, you know, Absolutely. He doesn't have that many fights under his belt, for sure. I mean, he's still making his way yeah. up. He's now 9-0 and with, with six knockouts. And, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see where he goes. I mean, he's five foot eleven. He's got a really, really long reach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it looks like probably the welterweight division is on the horizons. I mean, he's only 19 years old. Yeah. He's not going to be fighting at 140 forever. No. Uh, so we'll just have to keep our finger on the pulse of uh, Erickson Lubin. Now let's go to the main event, which was supposed to be Jermaine Taylor defending his IBF middleweight strap against the Latin snake Sergio Mora, winner of the contender. That first round of that fight, man, I literally then, you know how I'm pretty locked in. Like I don't, once the fight starts, I watch it all the way through. Right. And then sometimes I watch it again to go back and make sure that my scoring was fair. Right. After the first round, I just got up and, I didn't purposely do it. I wasn't like, ah, this sucks. I'm going to go do something else. I just I just started doing other things. I was like, and then I'm downstairs, and I'm like doing the dishes, and I was like, hold on a second. Oh, shit, the fight's on. I, I saw enough. Right. I, I didn't I didn't want to watch the rest of the fight. Yeah. I mean, Sergio Mora threw his first 20 punches and missed by six inches every yeah. every punch he threw. Yeah. Oh, it was a— it was, was he, Did he have something in his eyes, Vin? I don't know, man. And The fact that he came out of there with a decision— they 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 robbed that kid Han man. But you know Han didn't do any 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 credit to himself though. No, Mora no. didn't in the first few rounds. Mora didn't even because I went back and watched the fight. Mora didn't have to even even his whiffing was more than what Han was doing. Han was just being aggressive and, and trying to get in. He did, he did not have any you know semblance of 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 connection connecting good punches. It's just 
It was an overall just a bad fight, man. It was horrible. I, I, I sent out a tweet during Friday Night Fights, and I mean, I'm a big a boxing fan as you're going to find. I, I was looking through the channels and Rocky Four's on. I said, you know what? I was going to finish watching Friday Night Fights, but I'd rather watch Rocky Four for the 5,000th time. Yeah. <laughs> I just think at 34 years old, man, Sergio Mora's past the days of, of ever winning a belt ever again. Yeah, yeah. Plus, his knee looked a little wobbly, too, during the fight. There's no way you can legitimize or tell me that Sergio Mora is a legit champion, even if he has a belt. It's, it's a complete joke. He beat Vernon Forrest and won the WBC strap. Okay? A, a old version of Vernon Forrest. Okay. Uh, albeit. Yeah. Then came back and lost to Vernon Forrest. Right. In the next fight. He's had some big fights. He fought Shane Mosley at the end of his career. Right. Right. He fought Brian Vera, who you never know what you're going to get from Brian Vera. Right. Brian Vera almost beats... Well, I think he beat Chavez Jr. First fight, definitely. And then he comes out in his last fight and loses. Right. You know, and has multiple, multiple losses. Got knocked out by Gabe Rosado. So, yeah, I mean, I I think those days are behind him. The fight was supposed to be an Al Heyman fighter in Jermaine Taylor defending his belt against a ranked IBF 160-pounder that also fights for Al Heyman. Right. That's all that was supposed to be. Fucking Luda Bella, man. Yeah. I used to hold Lou to a little bit higher of a of a standard. Now he's just it, just like the rest of them. But he's like he's like out in the public. Oh yeah, like lying and not even remembering his life. He's like what's his name? This NBC anchor that's making, Brian Williams. Yeah, Brian Williams that's making up all these war stories. <laughs> right. Let me tell you right now, as a as a combat veteran of the United States Army, when I heard that man, I was a little oh I'm sure I was pissed, man. Yeah. That's that's a come on man. That's the lowest of the low right there, isn't it? Yeah, I, he shouldn't have his job. Uh, it turns out that there's a lot more that he lied about. Oh yeah, yeah. There's more than that he, that he's been uh, he's been creating stories for a while now, huh? Yeah, yeah, he has. All right, I digress. I do not feel like talking about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's stay in the 160 pound division, but we're gonna go out of professional boxing into big knockout boxing yeah, bkb baby. returns and gabe Rosado, the bkb middleweight champion of the world is going to defend against curtis stevens i guess he, he's the face of bkb now hey i'm fine with it no yeah i'm a huge Rosado fan that's gonna be a, uh, i mean i'm not gonna sit here and say i'm gonna pay to watch that but that's gonna be a good fight man. dude it'll be 30 bucks i'll pay come over and watch it yeah, if you're paying i'm yeah. watching yeah dude <laughs> dude it'll, it'll be fun i think that's gonna be an awesome fight yeah i, I there will be no, I mean, these guys will trade and there'll be nowhere to go and somebody will get knocked out. Yeah. I think Stevens is going to win. I do too. That's my first thought was Stevens is going to, he's going to be the new face of BKB. Versado is going to be uh, a bloody mess, I'm sure. But nobody thought that Rosado was going to knock out Vera though. No. You know? I think Vera was pretty much, uh, I don't know. I yeah. think he's a shot fighter at this point. And he's got that glassed over. Yeah. Glassed over look. So, hey, you know what, man? Well, I just have to see who's on the undercard. If they can throw Toriano Johnson back on the undercard and throw a couple of these other guys right. back on the undercard and maybe lure some guys over. I mean, it could be an exciting night. I enjoyed watching it the last time. You know, yeah. I, mean, I mean, they had the, the Garcia clan team, uh, <laughs> team South Coast Mitsubishi <laughs> <laughs> was announcing the fight. Right. So, you know, it wasn't all that bad. No. Yeah, for 30 bucks, man, I, I can friggin' waste 30 bucks getting. Spicy chicken sandwiches from Chick Fil A. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, Gary Shaw. All right, let's backtrack. Gary Shaw Promotions gets liquidated, absorbed by Rock Nation. When we heard about this, it was pretty exciting. Yeah. Okay. Hindsight's fifty-fifty, so we take it back. 
to when it happened. Now that all of this has unfolded, and now Gary Shaw has split and taken back all of his fighters. The combination of Gary Shaw, okay, then I'm going to turn my computer monitor, and those that are listening to the show can go to Dan Raphael's blog and pull up the the article titled Gary, Gary Shaw Retains Fighters and Split. Look at those two guys. Yeah, that doesn't look like it's going to work. <laughs> it's not so much a white and black thing, is it? No, just it's something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. The way, the way one guy does business is not going to work with the way the other guy does business. I know. I don't think so at all. I don't <laughs> think so at all. I saw an interview with Gary Shaw afterwards. He basically said that it was an amicable split. That's fine. Right. If that's what you want to tell the media, that's fine. But you don't say that. If nothing really happened, you say what happened. Right. Right? If, if, if you... If you come into the media and you're saying, oh, it was an amicable split, something happened. Yes. And they both agreed, like, we can't work together. No. I think that there was probably a pretty heated exchange. I hope something leaks out of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, I, it's it's almost like it never happened, but still, like you said, what the hell were they thinking? You showed me that picture. Like, it's just, who actually thought this was going to work? Who thought that Gary Shaw was going to basically go work for for Iskowitz and he's been doing his own thing and 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 working. And he's on, an old man. Yeah, come on. Rock Nation just needed fighters, and to be honest with you, Gary Shaw ain't got shit. But but Jennings, uh, yeah, Jennings. Speaking of Jennings, I saw a tweet. Jennings said that when him and Klitschko were nose to nose at their at the at the press conference to announce the fight that Klitschko was uh, was nervous. They wouldn't make eye contact with him and that he kept on batting his eyes. Like, he kept on blinking. He's like, I stared right at him, and he wouldn't stop blinking. And then, and the funny part is, is this is how shallow and just completely out of touch some people are on Twitter. They're like, they're like, yeah, I mean, it's probably because he's nervous because uh, he hadn't fought in the United States in a long time. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, the just shut up. Don't stop Come responding on. to this yeah. tweet. Are you kidding me? He's probably sitting there thinking to himself, he's like, can we get this over with? Yeah. Are you trying to tell me the dude hasn't lost a fight in 10 years? Right. Okay? And he's fought, what, Jennings has about 20 fights? Yeah. And Klitschko's got almost 70 fights? You think for one second that Vladimir Klitschko has any anxiety or doubt about this fight whatsoever? No. He wants to get it over with. What are the chances that, that Bryant... Bye-bye Jennings wins this fight against Klinchko. Uh About negative 25. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing against Jennings. Yeah. Se- seems like a good dude from all indications and everything that I see. Everybody should believe in themselves 100%. I don't think there's going to be a legitimate boxing writer out there that even give that, that picks Jennings to win this fight. No. This fight's a joke on paper, man. I'm sorry. It What's is. the result? What, what I mean, Klitschko will knock him out inside four or five rounds. You think so? Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I don't, I don't see much of a chance whatsoever. You know what I mean? Unless Jennings decides to run, and who knows? Okay, Rock Nation, your boy. Yeah, my boy. Is Andre Ward gonna fight, dude? I don't know, man. Th- does he think that just announcing that he wants to fight? I'm wondering if Rock Nation is having a little trouble making putting fights together. What I'm hearing is this is that Andre Ward thinks that he got $2 million to fight Edwin Rodriguez, okay? Mm-hmm. And HBO was pissed off about that. They were pissed off about the entire thing. And he thinks that, you know, he came out and said that, I'll fight anybody, I'm ready to go right now. 
after he said that, then he goes to sit down with HBO. HBO comes up with opponents for him and says, I need a tune-up fight first, but still expected to get $2 million. And HBO told Andre Ward, we're not giving you that kind of money again to fight a scrub. Right. So he went to, he went to Showtime and asked them to pay him to fight nobody. Are you kidding me? Wow. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear he went to Showtime. That's- yes. Andre, Andre, Andre. So then he tweets How out. How has he not been stripped? I, I have no idea. How has he not been stripped? Or at least threatened? No idea. Absolutely no idea. So Andre Ward tweets out a picture of him like sitting in a, in a uh, Nike boardroom with Jordan. Like, not Michael Jordan, but in like the Jordan brand. Right. And there's all these Jordan shoes. And there's like a big, he's showing a, basically took a picture of a projection screen. <laughs> that had Andre Ward next to like a, a panther and like a pair of shorts next to it and shoes. Like the theme was that he's a, he's a black panther theme or something like that. What? It's like, he's designing his uniform for a fight that he doesn't have. <laughs> and he hasn't fought since November of 2013. If they don't announce a fight soon and there's no remedy on the horizon whatsoever, because for some reason, Andre Ward thinks that he, didn't lose any cred by self-inflicting oh, no. suspension on himself. He lost all of his fans. Oh, the 10 that he had. Thinks that he still deserves to headline. Is demanding $2 million. Hasn't fought is completely irrelevant and thinks that he can just jump right back in there because he signed with Jay-Z. Right. I'm so tired of Andre Ward, man. I, he has quickly risen up the list as one of my most hated fighters, from one of my favorite to one of my most hated. He trailed Floyd Mayweather right up that list. Him, Peter Quillen, Floyd Mayweather. Come on, man. These guys are a freaking joke. I'm tired of it. They're just so... The sense of entitlement's ridiculous. Yeah, they're just they're delusional, man. When's Andre Ward going to fight? The way things are, are going... Even if they were to schedule a fight next month, he won't be back in the ring until this summer. Yeah. So then you're approaching, you're, you're only three, two or three months away from him being out of the ring for two years. Yeah, and if you fight in June, the chances of him squeezing in another fight before the end of the year very slim. Very slim. You're going to come back, your big comeback, you, you get signed by Rock Nation, and you fight once. And it, you want it to be a tune-up fight. If it's a tune-up fight, then get back in the ring the following month. Right. You know what I mean? No. Like, go out there and do... Look, Triple G, right? He fights in two weeks, okay? Mm-hmm. His next scheduled fight after that is in May. Right. Three months later? Not even. Yeah. Not even. No. Ten weeks later. Yes. And he's going to do it again. And then he's going to come right back again, and he's going to fight again in August. And then he's going to come right back again and fight again in November. Oh, it's no wonder he's quickly becoming the most popular fighter in the world. Unbelievable, isn't it? It's <laughs> crazy how this works. Yeah. Just, it's just unbelievably crazy how this works. It's crazy as morons can't realize that what he's doing and, and, and do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that'll just about do it. For this show, but I got one more thing for you, Vim. Julio Cesar Chavez had a statue erected of him uh, down in Mexico. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. That's one. Of, that's probably the worst statue I've ever seen in my entire oh, life. 
God, that is so, such a second-rate statue, man. It's got to be, Ben. It's got to be a cultural thing. Maybe their taste in fine sculptures is just different than ours. You would think they would, like, try to give you a rendition of him in, like, mid-punch, like, action shot. Being that he's a Mexican fighter and was an action fighter. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't even know what he's doing. It man. looks like he's holding a cell phone up to his face. <laughs> it does. It looks like he's taking a phone call. And he's leaning <laughs> in. He's like, hola. <laughs> you know what I think happened? What Here's what I think happened. I think that the original sculptor of this was partying. And him and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., they just started drinking, right? And then it led to they were they were blazing. And the next day, the sculptor was supposed to go and sculpt this. And everybody was going to be there that night to debut this sculpture, okay? <laughs> Bear with me. Just stay with me here, all right? And so it had to be done. There was a deadline. But he was blacked out and passed out, and there was nothing he could do. And, you know, Chavez... I mean, he can handle his shit, right? Oh, of course. You know what I'm saying? So he goes he goes and takes a gravity bong rip out of the bathtub, right? <laughs> jumps in his car, jumps in his Beamer, right? Drives over to Party City, okay? Or Ciudad Fiesta in, in, in Mexico, right? <laughs> Buys some Play-Doh, yeah? Eats a Frito pie on the way to the statue site and just builds that shit. He's just like, I'm going to build this. It's going to be tight, huh? <laughs> Everybody shows up that night. Junior's nowhere to be found, but on stage is where the statue's supposed to be, covered with the curtain, okay? And everybody's looking for Junior, but nobody knows where he's at whatsoever. And then it's time to unveil it. Senior says, go ahead, unveil the statue. They lift up the curtain, and sure enough, Junior, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. is sitting there in his underwear wearing his WBC belt with Fritos smashed all over his face. Hey, man, that works for me. Yeah, it's definitely what happened. No wonder Senior gets so pissed off at him all the time. <laughs> all right, so boxing returns. We got uh, Friday Night Showbox, Sammy Vasquez Jr. Uh, he's an exciting fighter, but mm-hmm. that's that's Showtime's big, big show for the year God on uh, February 20th. But two weeks from last night, actually, in Monte Carlo, Gennady Golovkin returns to finally a real freaking fight. Jesus, thank yeah, God. Thank God. Against Martin Murray. Uh, on the same night in Berlin, Arthur Abraham grants a rematch to Paul Smith. And then followed it the very next week, and I will be watching this somehow, some way. Carl Frampton takes on Chris Avalos. That'll be a really good fight. Yeah. It should be uh, an exciting fight. And then the debut of the PBC on NBC, Thurman versus The Ghost, and The Problem versus Big Head John Molina. Um, and then it just it just yeah. goes after that. It's about to start. It's about to snowball here. Yes, sir. So that'll do it for episode 35 of The Tale of the Tape. Did you have a good time, Ben? Always, Ken. Always. Great time. Great time. So coming up this week on TheBoxingRant.com is the debut episode of The Boxing Rant, hosted by myself. And the debut episode, I have a very, very special guest as Brandon Bam Bam Rios joins me, coming off of his third-round knockout win against Mile High, Mike Alvarado, a few weeks back on HBO. I look forward to the interview with Brandon Rios, and we'll be back again next week with episode 36 of The Tale of the Tape here at our new home on TheBoxingRant.com. Keep it moving, brother. Yes, sir. For my co-host, Vince Cummings, who you can follow on Twitter, at VinceCummings81, I'm your host, Kenny Keith of TheBoxingRant.com, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Kenny Keith Jr. Thank you for listening to The Tale of the Tape on TheBoxingRant.com. <laughs>